On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diego's here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this coolish uh, <laughs> Wednesday night. Uh, thanks to Finey, um, Zanners and Poltz, of course, uh, for another great show. Uh, and Finey's on tomorrow night uh, in Finey's Final Siren from 11pm after the footy. Vinny Venezuela, welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rodrigo. Hi, listeners. Great to be here. I'm excited tonight. Yeah, a great it's, a, guest. it's a big night tonight. Uh, Warren Diego, welcome to you. You're excited. Yeah, no, I am, Rodrigo, although disappointed that I heard that Pedro edits my weather for later, <laughs> for later news bulletins, which well, is disappointing. Well, he does. You get a bit, you add lib yeah. a bit too much. No, I said balmy for a couple of weeks and he edited that. Well, and it, it wasn't was true. It was balmy. It was cool. Good well, Carlos. Well, how are you there, Rodrigo? Yeah, I'm glad we're interrupting the, the weatherman there or the, uh, you know, the want to be weatherman. Actually, I want to do Tats Lotto numbers now. <laughs> <laughs> well, He's a step up. Isn't it a wonderful weekend, uh, post-weekend? Because, of course, we had some Aussies doing some wonderful stuff on their, you know, with their football careers on the weekend. Of I Aaron stayed Moy up for it. And Tommy Rogic. Tommy Rogic. Oh, that, what a beautiful Hey, guy. what Aaron Moy achieved was far more significant than Tommy Rogic. <laughs> Why can't you just celebrate both of them? Instead well, of because one used to play for them. Melbourne City and one didn't, so that's the reason. <laughs> because, because he's combative. And Aaron Moy's your love child, right? I from, love even Aaron when Moy. he was Western Sydney Wanderers. Yeah, no, I love Warren. Aaron. I told you, you Aaron Moy you was a star in the future. <laughs> and I don't Carlos, remember that. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't. But he was. He's Actually, you did, inf- you did say, and yeah, you know, yeah, we're yeah. in our penultimate show for this season, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm willing to actually admit something. You did say Aaron Moy was the best Australian footballer. In the world at the moment. Yep. Mm. And you said that probably 12 months ago. And and I, and I, I did mock you because he was I'm playing right. for the Melbourne City at that stage. I was right. But uh, right now, he'd probably be close to the best, if not the best Australian footballer in the world There's at the moment. There's Warren Postacoglu right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I call him Warren Nostradamus. That's right. Hey, we've got a big well, show for you tonight, uh, which is brought to you by Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing, and the Northern Football Academy at St. Monica's College in Epping. I was going to say, like... Uh, your man, Tommy Rogic. Yeah, Rogic. <laughs> and uh, my boy, a.k.a. Pacey mm. Piddler, he, they, they, they probably, it's hard to divide them, but I, I would dare say that uh, Aaron Moy is probably, you know, week in, week out, yeah. played more games and it's just... Uh, 50 games this season, Vinny, 50-plus games. Uh, Rogic has, of course, had a few injuries and, and uh, been out of the team now and again. And they do tend to play him off the bench when they're feeling he's getting a bit fatigued as a young kid. Because uh, he didn't play a lot of football with his injuries before that, so I looked after him. But, geez, his quality in moments, that goal on the weekend in the cup final, beautiful. where he just glided past a couple of Aberdeen mm. players and just slotted away, beautiful finish. He was at his glidey best, too, he? Glided, he? He, glided, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he glided above the ground. He did. He almost hovered He did. Let's hope ground. he can do that for the Socceroos. Yeah. Hey, uh, send us a text message tonight on 0433 We've got uh, Mike McGrath coming up a little bit later on and all... We'll talk about uh, the Socceroos uh, squad that Andrew's picked and some other stuff as well. But we've got a very, very special guest coming up right now. It's 10 past 11. 
Yes, uh, here on the Four Diego's, we are going, and I think we're going to Brisbane right now because uh, we are chatting with former, and it's a bit sad to call him former Melbourne victory star. Welcome to the Four Diego's to Fahid Ben Kalfala. G'day, Ben Kalfala. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks, guys. It's Rodrigo Rodriguez here uh, with you tonight. We've got Vinny Venezuela. We've got Carlos Alberto Diego and Warren here on the show tonight. Uh, are you in Brisbane yet? And, and firstly, congratulations on the move. Uh, is, it, is it hot for you up there now? Is it, uh, how are you settling in? Um, no, I'm in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very cool for you. Uh, I, was, I was there yesterday to try to find an apartment, but I came back yesterday night and uh, now I'm in Melbourne. Fahid, uh, Vinny Venezuela here. As a as an international footballer who's travelled the world, do you ever get sick of renting? <laughs> <laughs> well, I bought my place in Melbourne, and uh-huh, nice. uh, <laughs> no, I tried to find, uh, tried to invest. So I bought different places when I was in France, and uh, I think it's much better to to buy than rent. <laughs> now, Fahid Warren Warren here. Now, I want to have it on the record that I am a Melbourne City uh, fan. <laughs> But no, I was at the Mel- I was at the Melbourne Victory uh, Gala event, and and um, you were lauded amongst the other um, exiting players. I want to go back to coming to Australia and thinking about the move from France. If I said to you that you'd have the career that you had at Melbourne Victory, and now you've gone on to play another club, would you have been surprised by the length of stay that you've had in Australia? Well. Uh... When I first came, I didn't expect anything, to be honest. And uh, I was very surprised, and uh, and I got lucky, uh, to be honest. Uh, Melbourne victory was like um, a great thing for me, a great move. Uh, and I fell in love with Australia. That's a, that's a fact, even my family. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it was maybe the best decision I've made, to be honest. Uh, I've never seen my family so happy before, and uh, so yeah, we're very, we're very, very lucky. Now I'm gonna move to Brisbane uh, to see another city, another club, uh, have a new experience, and it's gonna be good. And after that, I'm gonna come back uh, in Melbourne. Faith, it's Carlos. Uh, you played in, uh, you know, from Division One or League One up in uh, France, and in the second division and third division, in your time over there as a professional footballer. How does how does Melbourne Victory as a club stack up against some of the great clubs you played with in uh, in France? Well, it's hard to compare with the first division, obviously, because um, in Europe, the soccer is a main, is a main sport. Uh, you've got plenty, plenty of good players. So even in second division, to be honest, like um, you have like really good players. Uh, Melbourne Victory is a great club. Uh, I'm talking about like the facilities, uh, fans, uh, the atmosphere we had, the stadiums, everything. For that, yeah, it's a big club. But if I have to talk about the quality, um, it's hard to compare. Like maybe in second division, maybe the level. Like you have good players. The problem with the salary cap, you can't. Mm. have uh, 20 players like 20 really good players obviously you have to deal with young players you have to deal with uh, obviously you have only two markets so you have to get lucky sometimes to to bring like really good players uh, when Mathieu Delpierre came to be honest the club got really lucky to have a player like him in the salary cap mm. so it's hard to compare because obviously you have like two or three good very good players who are able to play in Europe in first division and some are able to play in second division. But the level, yeah, for me, it's more 
between the third and second division, maybe second division. Mm. Now, Fahid, uh, to compare, Vinny again, when uh, when Matthew Del Pierre was at the club and um, things weren't going right at training, did you just speak more French? <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't speak French. We tried to to learn English. So obviously, when we came here, we couldn't speak English, and with yeah, for me, like it's a resp- you when you you come or you go in a new country, you have to learn the language. Uh, it's a big respect for the players, and uh, so when we were by ourselves, yeah, we used to speak French, obviously. But in the changing room, in with everyone, we used to try to to do to speak English. Vay, we talk about the physicality of the Australian game as one of the qualities around Australian players is they're physical and they're they're combative. Would you say that's fairly accurate, even as the A League has notionally improved in standard? That the physicality of the game here is one of the things that stands it out in comparison to playing, say, in France? Well, physically in France, you have a lot of African players, and trust me, it's much, <laughs> much different. It's so different. But that's that's one thing, to be honest, I don't understand. Because, yeah, obviously physically, uh, the level here is pretty good. And uh, Australian players, I think, or even like Australian people are gifted with that. But... That's one thing I don't understand. It's the football is technique. The first thing about football is we have to be able to play with the ball, with the both feet, and and technically I think the football has to have, they have to progress, uh, especially when they're young. There's not a lot of academies or there's not a lot of clubs, and that's one thing I think Australia can progress is about the technique. Yeah, physically they can run, uh, they have like really good quality, and they, they work hard. But technically, they have to progress. And I think you have to progress, especially when you're young, when you're eight, eight years old, six, seven, whatever. That's a, we have to teach them the right thing. And because when you're like 19, 20, it's a bit late. So I think for me, that's one thing Australia, uh, the Australian footballer has to progress. It's about, uh, about the technique. Now, Fade, during the season, obviously, uh, there was a there was a bit of drama around your contract, and uh, and it, pro- it probably was made pretty clear that this was going to be your last year at Melbourne Victory. Can you tell us the process of uh, ending up at Brisbane Raw? Did they talk to you before the uh, the year ended, and did they, did other clubs talk to you? I mean, did you have a suite of clubs who uh, had a chat to you before you decided on Brisbane Raw? No, uh, during the season, to be honest, I didn't want to talk with clubs because I was focused with the Melbourne Victory. So yeah, clubs they tried to ring me or because they wanted to show me some interest. But I made it clear like I wanted to finish the season and to make a decision after the end of the season because like I just wanted to be focused on the on the season, try to win the grand final. Obviously, yeah, everyone knows the story uh, that yeah Kevin wanted me to get rid of the clothes and uh, otherwise I wasn't gonna be able to play. So I did it to play, <laughs> yeah. and uh, so yeah, like. But I respected his decision. To be honest, he made a decision as a coach. I didn't care about that. So after, I just wanted to yeah to try to play good football and to win. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't. Mm. And at the end of the season, yeah, I've got like for some calls from clubs, different clubs, and uh, even Asia. I was a bit surprised like, coming from. Uh, uh, China, Malaysia, something like that. But uh, the first thing I wanted was to stay in Australia. So I'm very happy here, to be honest. My family is very happy, like I said. 
And uh, so we wanted to stay here. And when John called me, I said yes straight away because I know him. He, um, he was in victory my first year. And uh, I had a really good relationship with him. Uh, Brisbane is a big club. So, you know, they won three championships. Uh, they, they have, like, really good players. So I know I can enjoy playing there. I'm going to enjoy it because... Uh, and it's a great city too. The weather is beautiful. So there's plenty of things. And the main reason was John, because I knew him and I know the way he tried to play football. I think it can suit to me and I think I can enjoy it. So when he called me, to be honest, I was in France and uh, I told him, I said, yeah, no problem. So we didn't talk about the contract and I said yes. So it was pretty easy. Look, I need to congratulate you, Fade, with the way that was all dealt with at Melbourne Victory. I think it, it was a testimony of uh, of your respect for the club and their respect for you that it didn't drag on. You sorted out that clause and you, and you played some wonderful football towards the end of the season. Uh, the story was your daughter played a big part in it, though, that uh, apparently, you know, it's amazing what daughters do. They they uh, they certainly make uh, fathers very emotional. Uh, can you tell us uh, the the, uh, the the role your daughter played in you uh, playing again at Victory and perhaps even selecting Brisbane Raw if she had anything to do with that too. No, it's true. Like, but the thing is, well, as a father, I don't know if you guys have kids or not, but I just want to make my daughter happy, obviously. And um, when Kevin told me, like, yeah, he, want, he didn't want me for next year or whatever, I said, yeah, no problem. I respect that, but I don't understand. I didn't understand. And I didn't want to talk like about that in the press because, I've got a lot of respect for the club, especially the chairman, people in the board. Like, I really like him, really like them. So I didn't care, to be honest. And I said to Kevin, I said, as a matter of principle, I don't want to do it. I don't want to get rid of my clothes. If you don't want to put me or if you don't want me to play, it doesn't matter. It's not going to change my life, to be honest. Like, uh, with all due respect... 10 games or 15 games in Nailey are not going to change my career or my life. Mm. So I said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to leave the club like that. So I didn't play against, uh, I think, Central Coast and Adelaide. So Adelaide, I came, I was watching the game and my daughter was with me. Was with me, And she was like, yeah, Dad, please, I want, to, I want to see you playing. It doesn't matter. Like, we're not going to stay here or I don't know what you want to do next year, mm. but I want to see you playing. If it has to be your last year as a soccer player or as a professional, I want to see you playing and I want I want to come here with you and I want to be happy. So I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> your daughter's got a future as a player agent <laughs> there, Fade, <laughs> <Well>, sounds like. <laughs> nah, and, she's, and I was like, yeah, it's all right, all right. And she said, yeah, it's Teresi. I just want to see you playing. I want to enjoy coming here and support you. So I was like, all right, fair enough, I'll do it. That's what it's all so about. I did it, and uh, that's why. And after, like, I didn't want to talk about that, to be honest, during the season or mm. even now. Like, I don't. He made, Kevin made a decision. I respected it. Uh, as a player, you know, as a coach, you have to make decision. You're happy or not happy. It's about it's like, I wasn't very happy when he made his decision, to be honest. But I didn't care. Like, yeah, I'm a soccer player. If your coach doesn't want you, you go somewhere else. You play. If you don't want to play, you can stop playing football. It's easy for me, to be honest, because I'm. Older and uh, I'm getting older and I've got experience. So when you're 20, 21, your reaction can be dif- can be a bit different. But for me, like it's just about like respect.
Mm. Well, Fahid, uh, here in Fort Diego, as we're speaking with uh, Brisbane Raw gun recruit, <laughs> Fahid Ben Kafalar. Hey, uh, obviously you took that decision much better than you, you take the decisions for him when he substitutes you. Because uh, you, you made us smile a lot in, in, your, in your career. Because um, when, when he used to take you off, uh, you know, just before full time, uh, geez, you had a dirty look on your face uh, as you were walking off the pitch. It was very funny. Yeah, well... I'll, you know when you want when you're on the pitch, you just want to play. Yes. And I seriously, I didn't do it on purpose or whatever. It's just like <laughs> you still want to play, you feel good, or you know, even when you're tired, and you know, even when you're not good, you don't want to come up. <laughs> <laughs> so I got so pissed sometimes. Like, yeah. Did but, you speak French for him? <laughs> nah, even you know, even sometimes when I just, yeah, when I swear, like now I do it in English. <laughs> <laughs> so, but nah, yeah, I understood. To be honest, like and even after, like sometimes he used to tell me, like, yeah, Faid, you have to understand. I said, yeah, I understand, but I can't be happy, like, coming <laughs> off and smiling or something. I can't do it. So, but nah, so there, there was no problem with that. And so, he, given you're a victory legend, is there a particular memory uh, that you hold dear to your heart in terms of what you achieved with the team? Well, there's plenty, to be honest, like, and uh, why obviously the first year when we won uh, was just amazing. And uh, I say, like, even after I've got lucky to have, like, a, a good career and uh, to play, like, in Bordeaux, who, which was one of the, well, which is one of the biggest clubs in France. But when we won the final, it was one of my best memory. And I played while well with my national team against great team. But this memory was just amazing, like 30,000 people. So it wasn't, like, huge, but the, the atmosphere that day was just amazing. And um, and after yeah everything like to be honest going there uh, my friends like I met a lot of good people but in the changing room like Jason Garia Rashid Mahazi and um, Danny Georgeski mm. were like brothers for me and we were very close um, and I I saw that this season when Rashid lost his dad when his dad passed away mm. like oh uh, we. We went to see him during the funeral and everything, and like I consider them like my family. So yeah, I was grateful, grateful to be honest, like and thankful for the club. That's why, like, I didn't want to talk about my story, nothing, because I really love this club, and I, I and I love the people working there. I love to work there, and um, yeah, I had friends, I met people, like, and I know I'm gonna be friends like my whole life. My daughter like was happy there, so there's plenty, plenty of good memories. And uh, now, obviously, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to try to do the same thing to get success there and to win the trophies. And, um, but it's part of the football, and uh, it's actually the life of the soccer player. Fayed, I'm gonna, this might seem a strange question. I'm wondering, do you love playing the game? Is the joy of playing the game as strong now as a professional sportsman who's played for a long time and the way the game is played and the and the professionalism around them and the preparation, is the joy of playing as much as what it was when you first started out on this professional career? Um, I love playing soccer. I love, especially games, to be honest, I really love it. Uh, training, 
annoy me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, especially like everything they do now with the GPS, or because when I started that <laughs> there was no GPS or something like that. So like, for me, it's all bullshit. Was that French? That was a French <laughs> word. That's a French yeah, word. Yeah. Sometimes, seriously, you have to. They talk about oh, you have to run like 12k, 30. No, he runs a lot. Yeah, but he loves. He, maybe he's gonna lose like 50 balls. Or he's gonna pass the balls every time I win. He's gonna he's just gonna press them. So yeah. So we just talk about these things, and yeah, that's one thing. Uh, I don't like it, but playing football, yeah, I love it. And to be honest, like I'm 34, I'm gonna turn 35 this year, and if I don't like the football, or if I do not like the football, I wouldn't play. To be honest, like it was easy um, after my career, I can work with Victoria something, so I could make another decision. But I really love it, and I enjoy it, and I feel I feel good. Even physically, to be honest, I feel good. So that's why I want to keep playing. And if tomorrow, in one year or in six months, I'm not going to enjoy it or I don't enjoy it, I'll stop. So it's going to be easy. But I really love it. And the soccer in Australia is growing up. Uh, there's, there's good fans. Like The atmosphere is, is unbelievable, to be honest, when you play in different clubs. So you have good stadium, good pitches. So... Yeah, it's pretty easy. There's no pressure <laughs> compared to Europe. To be yeah. honest, there's no pressure. So you know, even when you lose a game, you can go out after. You can have, you can go to the restaurant. No one is gonna swear after you or <laughs> tell you something. Now, because people are respectful and they respect you and they respect your family, so it's so different mm. uh, in Europe. When you lose a game, you just go home. Sometimes, if you can go home, mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so nah, the, I love it. To be honest, I love playing soccer and uh, especially here, like life is cool as well. So you can enjoy the life and the soccer. Now, Fade, you played 14 times for Tunisia, and uh, and uh, you know that, that their national team over the over the over the you know decades has been a very very good national team. Very stylish footballers, great technique. A big problem with uh, with Australian players growing up here in Australia, often because their parents come from another country, they have a decision to make. Do they play for Australia or do they play for the country their parents were born in? You were born in France, but your parents, uh, your father, I believe, was Tunisian. Was that a hard decision for you to make to play for Tunisia or trying to put your hand up to play for France? No, because when uh, Tunisia, or my parents are Tunisian and I used to go there like every year during the holidays. So I... And maybe I'm more French than Tunisian, but like to be honest, like uh, I speak Arabic. Uh, I grew up like in Arabic mentality, so it was very easy because first of all, I used to, I, I was playing in second division when they called me, so the French national team didn't have to think about me. Mm. And um, maybe when I signed in Bordeaux and it was a big club, maybe um, I could get a chance. Um, I'm not sure, but. No, it was a great decision. I used to, I played against uh, the French national team, um, the, against Holland, uh, against great team, great players, like top players. So, no, I loved it. And when you play for an African country, it's so different because they don't have a lot of things. You know, Tunisia, Morocco are a bit different because they have money and they're a good country. But when you go to play like in a small country and they're poor, they don't have anything, during an hour and a half, they stop leaving just for the football. So there's nothing about the – it's just about football. Everything is about football. Mm. And people, during like an hour and a half, they forget 
everything, like all the problem, all the issue, just to spend an hour and a half of joy. So it's just amazing. The atmosphere and the mentality is so different. So I loved it, to be honest. Like it was uh, the best thing in my career playing in, for the national team. And when you play for a country, especially like you have to understand, like in Africa, they don't have a lot of things, but mm-hmm. they live for the football. Football is everything for them. So it's so different, but in the both way, like it can be very good. And uh, when you win a game, you can walk. You can walk at the airport with a gun. <laughs> no one's gonna tell you something. <laughs> but if you lose, to be honest, the, the cop can shoot you. So, so um, it's so different. But yeah, I loved it. Hey, well, Fahid, uh, you talk about football and your career in football, the way you played football yeah. with a lot of joy. And uh, you brought a lot of joy to not only Melbourne Victory supporters, but uh, A-League supporters uh, here in Victoria especially. But uh, thank you for that, and congratulations on your career with Melbourne Victory. But good luck and mm. uh, bon chance in your career <laughs> with uh, Brisbane Raw because uh, we're so pleased that you're staying in the A-League and we get to watch you for at least another year. Thanks, Thanks for your really time appreciate. tonight. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you very you. much for spending the uh, half an hour with us tonight. There's uh, Fahid Ben Kafala, former Melbourne Victory star. Can I can I be honest and say that as a Melbourne City fan, I sort of didn't like him as a player. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> He's but still now, online. but now I love him. You're right. He's such a lovely man, isn't he? Lovely, nice guy. lovely, He's a great lovely guy. person, and uh, yeah. He's my favourite Melbourne Victory player. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's take a break now and come back with more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the four Diego's. Thanks for your company on this Wednesday night. I uh, really enjoyed speaking with Fahid Ben Kalfala. Very candid. Um, Thanks for your text. Uh, yeah, we a couple of uh, interviews. Uh, obviously, we had the Liverpool lads last mm. week. Thanks for your text message. Um, and uh, 0433981116. We've got Mike McGrath coming up a little bit later on as well. Carlos, a uh, bit of a community service announcement. Absolutely. Uh, You've got a couple this week that uh, some people sent some, uh, some announcements uh, that we want to share with everyone out there. Past players, teammates, get together. From the Albion Rovers, Altona City and Sunshine City teams of the 70s and 80s. Vinny, you might have to get to this one. Uh, there is a get-together at the sports bar at Crown Casino uh, at 2pm onwards on June the 11th. Uh, some of the players attending, check this out. Ulysses Kokonos, Alan Quinn, Ted Smith, National ah, Treasure, yes. uh, Socceroo Olympian, Peter Blasby, Croatian goalkeeper, team of the century, Jerry Connolly, who was the ex-NSL uh, referee for many, many years ago. John Shocker-Miles uh, was a media guy, photographer. Lou Castor was a goalkeeper. Nat Little, 165 league goals in the junior season. Still a, a record. Unbelievable. Legend at Altona City. Yes. Uh, Wilf Lang, Frank Muscle, Robin Dave Nelson, Norrie Pate, Wally Mielak, Herbie Sheenan, Jimmy McIntyre, Scott and Peter Frew. They're going to be turning up at this, uh, at this event. And, of course, that is uh, at uh, Crown Casino Sports Bar, 2pm onwards on June the 11th. Yeah, Nat Little was so great, they offered him any refinery he wanted in Altona. <laughs> I don't, Monsanto. I've got to say, I came through as a young kid playing against... I was going to say, where's uh, Carlos yeah, Alberto Diego? No, I came through as a young kid and all these guys kicked me. Where's Tommy McMorrow? Yeah, no, there's the, another yeah Tommy, <laughs> Tommy and I and Brian Galea came through at the same time. Another guy called Dave Fennick. We were all the kiddies and we just... we. Steer clear of these guys. They were really <laughs> tough. 
Fantastic. Um, that and, sounds great. Yeah, and the other one is, uh, and this is a really important one too, the soccer community in Melbourne have come together for an event on Sunday, this Sunday coming, to raise money for the Manchester bombing. Uh, this is Brad Mullen who sent this in. Uh, Manchester City Melbourne Supporters Group have come together with the Manchester United Melbourne Supporters Group. Fantastic. They never come together, no, but they're coming good. together for an important cause uh, to raise some money for the Manchester bombing uh, victims. Uh, some of the other supporter groups involved are Aston Villa and uh, Southampton. Fantastic. The events this Sunday at 1pm at the Imperial Hotel in Melbourne. Big names attending, including Danny Orsop and Jesper Olsen, former Manchester United uh, great and also Denmark player. Uh, they're going to have some auctions. They're going to give away a heap of stuff. So please get to those events. Uh, this, the Manchester United, sorry, the Manchester bombing uh, fundraising event is on Sunday, 1pm at the Imperial Hotel in Melbourne. Excellent. Awesome. And Thanks, can I Tom. say that for the with everything that happened last week, for the first time in my life, I actually barracked for Manchester United on uh-huh. the weekend when they won against yeah. Ajax, and it was, it was you know out of tragedy. Sometimes things happen that are yeah. sort of there's a sense that it's almost meant to be, yeah. and just the way both the teams in Manchester came together to acknowledge what had taken place, and even the um the Manchester Marathon that was on, yeah. After and there were forty thousand people. So look, it's just awful. Like, Liverpool just, fans uh, yeah. get down there, even though it is Manchester yeah. United. Thanks yeah. for that, uh, Carlos. Sounds like uh, two great events. Um, Ange Postecoglou has uh, picked his squad for the uh, Thursday, the eighth of June match against uh, Saudi Arabia in Adelaide. This is a big, big game, Carlos. But before we go, before we go to you, Warren, Carlos, you said you were nervous in the green room. I am really nervous about this one. I think this is a huge game. I was talking to Francis Leach on his uh, show today, and uh, we both agree. I think this is close to the biggest game we've had since probably the 2005 World Cup qualifier where we are up against Uruguay to get to the 2006 World Cup. That's how big this game. This is a very good Saudi Arabian side. Uh, we're third at the moment. If we drop points, uh, it, it will lose the game. Um, suddenly, you know, we're vying for the third place playoff rather than the top two. And it's going to be really, we're going to make it really difficult, probably relying on other results in the last two games. So uh, I'm a bit nervous about this one. Carlos, we effectively need to beat both Saudi Arabia and Japan, don't we? We need to beat, we've got Thailand too. There's three games to go. And uh, to make sure we finish in the top top two, we'll have to win all three. So we can't afford to drop any points at all. I think in all seriousness, Carlos, if you look at the squad, it's easy to forget the players that aren't playing from, you know, qualifying from game cycle to game cycle. And I think your man, Tommy Rogic, is a significant addition to that team. If you looked at the mechanics of the Socceroos in the previous two games, they just were a lot more stayed in midfield. And Aaron Moy didn't play in the second game, even though they got the job done because he was suspended from the first game. And if you have a look... With Rogic and Moy most likely being able to start, it's the first time since the start of this qualification campaign where Australia got off to a, a pretty good start. Oh, we had them against Japan in Melbourne, and it didn't work. Uh, Japan sat back. Yeah, they and, sat back. And just yep. really just blocked off all the... All the passing uh, lanes, yeah, yep. the passing lanes and the gaps that uh, Rogic usually does his work in, and in fact he was ineffective, completely ineffective. He was ineffective also in Thailand when they played over there. Uh, I'm kind of hoping because Thailand also sat back and made it difficult for us. Saudi Arabia aren't a team to sort of sit back and, and park the bus, so 
given that they're going to probably uh, play. Well, there's a, bit a more... lot of incentive for them to win this game, well, isn't there? Yeah, it's huge incentive. Yeah, they'll they back. They'll probably back themselves, but they're not that great sitting back and uh, and uh, and trying to stop us from playing. So, with the greater expanse of their style of play. Hopefully they'll find will find a little bit more room for uh, Rogic to move in and also Moy to find him. Carlos, uh, Jamie McLaren had a great season. Yep. Finds the back of the net. Given that uh, we we're not always potent up front. Yep. Is he is he going to get a look in? The, the problem, Vinny, is when we play really you know well organised teams who make it difficult for us. Uh, they sit back and they defend on the edge of their. Penalty box. Now, McLaren, if you see all the goals he he's scores... He's looking for def- teams to he, defend he's usually, high. Yeah, he usually plays off the shoulder of a defender and the ball's played early from midfield and it's a foot race. And he does his work against one or two defenders because there's room to run into. But when you're playing international football and the opposition really keeps a tight block and it sits out, just sort of defends in front of its own penalty area, there's no room for a player like McLaren to work because he's not great with his back to goal. That's where you, the Urich of this world and in, in the past incarnations of the Socceroos, some like a Viduka, uh, these guys who can hold the ball up, bring other people in. So I think at the Confederations Cup, though, it's a different story. The Germans will come at us. The Chileans will come at us. The Cameroonians will come at us. They'll all come at us, Carlos. Uh, they'll all come at us, <laughs> guns blazing, uh, which, they, which the means The Chileans that, came at us uh, uh, in Brazil. Well, well, they'll well, end off the field. Absolutely. Yeah, so. Uh, so they'll all come at us, which will mean that they're, they might be a bit lighter at the back. Uh, which means someone like a McLaren might be able to do his work there. But uh, generally, in the Asian qualifying campaigns, I'm really fearful that someone like Jamie McLaren could go by the wayside like Scott McDonald did because he's much the same sort of player. Let's hope he develops that game where he can not only go to w- run towards goals but also play with his back-to-goals too. And the, the, the addition that's probably sort of attracted a little bit of criticism is Robbie Cruz, given... Yeah. Uh, He's not played. He hasn't played. Yeah, I think I'm, I've played I, more than him. In the I'm, last two years. I'm without club. Why aren't I playing? <laughs> yeah, look, I, I've got to say... Because you for City. And, that, I mean, Ange, we, in Ange we trust, but there's a lot of people on social media in Ange we don't trust when it comes to this. Uh, a lot of people are upset that Craig Goodwin missed out and, uh, and he's still persevering with Robbie Cruz. I think Robbie Cruz is at a real... Uh, defining moment of his career. He hasn't played much. Of course, he was highly rated in Germany, but off the bench. Uh, again, injury or just being out of favour in Germany didn't give him a lot of air, uh, game time. Went to China, big money move, didn't play there either. They didn't pay him, he left. So suddenly, this guy's career is a mess. Uh, but Ange is still picking him, and you've got to put faith in Ange. But i tell you what, uh, the faith in him is probably running out. Does he cap uh, Aiden Hustic? He has to. He has to. The first thing he does. In fact, bring him on for the first minute, cap him, and then take him off. <laughs> no, you, you've got to lock this kid in because his dad, obviously, uh, you know, he's born in Bosnia. Bosnia is after him um, as a player. And Ange has brought him in quite clearly, I think, during the Confederations Cup. They won't play him during Saudi Arabia game, but they'll play him probably some, in one of the games in the Confederations Cup. He'll play Cup. against Brazil, Carlos. No, no, I don't think the friendlies count. Oh, I don't think right. you can yes. get capped with a friendly. So they'll have to play in one of the three games of the Confederations Cup. Well, can't wait for uh, it's next Thursday night. Can you believe I that? Know. Uh, I know. I can't believe it. At Adelaide yep. Oval, uh, Australia take on uh, Saudi Arabia. It's much must watch, yeah. must win for, yes. the, for the Socceroos. And we're looking it's, for it's our... fantastic. We're in the off-season, but we've got the World Cup qualifier, a, a cutthroat 
World Cup qualifier on Thursday. Brazil Argentina on, on Friday, Friday, which is a toy game, but still. But then another toy yeah. game the and following. By the way, but it's a premium you, toy. You can, you can actually catch the Diego's <laughs> at Federation Square. <laughs> Oh, we're it's out. Yeah, yeah we're doing. Yeah, we're, we're doing, coming yeah, out. Yeah, we're doing a show yep. at Federation Square. There's going to be Brazilian bands and stuff. <laughs> I need to get here. I think Warren's going to join the Brazilian. There'll bands. be a few mystery Brazilians yeah. you're, turning you're, up. Warren's going to be wearing his mankini. Uh, on the, absolutely, and, and with absolutely. Your, with your maracas and stuff. The maracas and, uh, and the canastas. And the week after, of course, we've got the Brazil. Uh, Australia game on the Tuesday night, the Tuesday. and then the Confederations Cup. We're not in any off season. There's no off season when it comes no to football season. these days. Absolutely, we're still on for another week. Yeah, that, yeah. This is a penultimate show. This is a penultimate, and it's show. the ultimate show next week, just for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, let's take a break and come back. We'll catch up with Mike McGrath right after this on the Four Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On eleven sixteen SEN, the Four Diego's. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night. Uh, it's been a big show so far, but we're going to cross straight to the UK and catch up with our man on the ground there, Mike McGrath. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure, mate. Rodrigo here, Vinny Venezuela, Warren and Carlos. Hey, we saw Huddersfield defeat uh, Reading uh, and make their... What, what did they do? They, they were promoted to the English Premier League in the richest football <laughs> game in the world. Our boy Aaron Moy, who we who we've watched grow up and uh, love here, um, is there much talk about Aaron Moy in your parts? Uh, there are, there is actually. I've been doing a little bit of um, work on the story myself during the season because we kind of got wind that um, about his standing at, at City, which is different other loan players. I think he's actually quite he's very highly highly uh, rated at City, and it's. And he might not just be one of those players that we out in order to. Hey, Mike, you might, we might just get you to just move around a little bit because you're, you're kind of breaking up a bit. Okay. I was just. Uh, is, that, is that better? Yeah, yes, that's better. Is. That's much better. Yeah. There's just that he, he, you know, he might even be in contention for a place at City next season. So they'll certainly have a look at it. I think it's more likely that he'll stay with Huddersfield now that they're in the Premier League. But he certainly has, um, he is highly rated at 50, which is why they brought him over. Um, and it's been a very good season for him. Mike Vinnie here. So we know that he has be, been, or he's in the process of being courted by clubs. But uh, is what you're hearing that he'll probably stay at Huddersfield? I think that makes sense because obviously. He knows the he knows the club. They're in the Premier League, and it's a, and it's a decent fit um, for everybody. And they want him as well. Um, he is he is highly rated in terms of in terms of clubs looking at him. And like I say, I, 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 if he did if he did stay at City as a first team player, I'm sure he would get you know ten to twenty games because they've got a heavy workload. But I, I just think that. Huddersfield is the most likely destination just because it all fits in uh, with everything this season. Mike, um, getting on to another topic, I'm, I'm interested to know how significant was Arsenal winning the FA Cup with regards to Arsene Wenger signing what seems to be almost certainly a two-year contract extension? Did it play any part or was it always likely to happen? Uh, I don't think it played any part at all, actually. I thought... Um, that they could have lost it that game, and even if they, as long as they didn't lose, get absolutely spanked six 0 I think that Wenger would always have got the got the deal that you've been you know reading about in the last twenty four hours. Um, 
So I, I think as long as there wasn't a catastrophic meltdown that this was always on the cards, um, it actually wasn't a bad end of the season for them results-wise. Um, and that that game on Saturday just was, I suppose, the, the cherry on top of Wenger in terms of the last 10 games. I think what they've, you know, what Arsenal fans are looking at is the kind of six months before that and where they where they've fallen short again. And I do, I do love criticising Arsenal almost as a as a part time <laughs> hobby. I have to say, Mike, but uh, to win seven as a coach and then thirteen Arsenal as a club, holding the record for both the most by a, a coach and a club, is pretty significant. And that. And that number, when you consider seven FA Cups over the journey, I know, and then you throw in the the um, qualification of Champions League over a consecutive number of years, we do sometimes, I think, gloss over some of his achievements in the midst of what has, have to, you'd have to say, has been a disappointing, certainly this season, but probably last couple of seasons. Yeah, well, I, yes, it is a great achievement, uh, the, what he has done in the Cup. But I, I think that the... the the greatest achievement of of that is the fact that he won on Saturday in a match where people... I mean, over here, there was just... No, it, it was almost... It wasn't even considered that they were going to win this. It was just not um, on the agenda at all. It was a case of how many Chelsea were going to score. Um, again, and especially when he dropped uh, Petacek as well. It was just... Uh, yeah, no defence to speak of. Mike, we're, uh, we're just losing you again. Um, are you there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, mate. Uh, now, Mike, uh, I'm not sure whether you're going to make your way down or across to Wales uh, for the uh, Champions League final this weekend, but uh, the Real Madrid versus Juventus uh, clash, it's a really tasty uh, you know, uh, prospect. Uh, I can't separate the two. With the way Real Madrid finished the season... Um, and with the possibility of Gareth Bale uh, being brought into the side to even make it even stronger, and the Juventus, the way they're purring along this season with the six uh, Scudettos in a row and uh, also the way they've finished the season, they're looking pretty good. Can you separate these teams? I, I really can't. And, you know, I am going to uh, Cardiff at the weekend, and, you know, fortunately they've got the train going back to London at 1am at, at and 2am because... I think it's going to be extra time. I think it's going to be very, very tight. Maybe a moment of magic like um, Gareth Bale coming off the bench and and winning it because um, obviously that is a story that we're all looking at at the moment. He's going back to his hometown um, and he's got a chance of being European champion there. Um, So it promises to be a very, very exciting weekend in Wales, um, but I, I, I honestly, I can't, I, I wouldn't want to, uh, um, to predict who's going to win. Uh, Mike, can you confirm that the uh, Ibrahimovic's are, are suing uh, Manchester United for the damage done at the after party at their house? <laughs> <laughs> I heard, yeah, I heard he got a little bit rowdy, but <laughs> but but, he, but that his his knee also can take anything, so I'm sure uh, I'm sure they're fine. Hey, Michael, we're going to have to let you go. Um, I need to take a break. But uh, thanks for your time again, and we'll catch up with you again uh, next week. 
Cheers, guys. Thanks for seeing. No worries. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Let's take a break and come back with a little bit more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the four Diego's. Just a little bit more go to go on the Diego's. And uh, just noticed here that Alan Barrow, uh, the former Melbourne mm. Victory defender, is off to Central Coast Mariners. I know. They're recruiting quite well. Andrew Hull from, uh, from Newcastle. Just up the road. It's uh, a good. It's a good get for Central Coast. I think. Yeah. Cool. No. Uh, Paul Ocon's uh, recruiting very shrewdly at the moment, uh, and I think he'll probably have a few more experienced players. But he did. They have lost uh, O'Donovan. Yes, uh, that's a big the loss Newcastle. for them. Yep. Yeah, so they're going to have to replace there. But I think they're building a, a decent sort of a side there on the coast. Of course, so Daniel Georgievsky's at Newcastle yep. as well, and Glenn Moss has also uh, gone to. It's interesting because I think he he's an interesting one. I'm surprised Glenn Moss. Has crossed the ditch again. Yeah. He's done it a few times, hasn't he? I just reckon, I think we'll see. We're going through that stage in A-League where team, players don't mind moving or they, they're compelled to move for a better deal. I mean, we're even getting like second goalkeepers moving to different clubs. John Hall went for Adelaide to West Sydney Wanderers. Not going to get a game there, but he'll just move as a, as a backup keeper. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks to Fahid, Ben Kalf, Lara, Mike McGrath and all of your text messages, of course. So we're back next week. So remember, Carlos. Where are Puerto Rican girls hang out? We'll be there. Where have you Samba, Rumba and La Bamba? We'll be there. Where there are girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet? We'll be there. Wherever gringos play football? We'll be there. We are the Four Diego. Ole! Yeah.